This podcast is from Christian Chapel in Tulsa, Oklahoma. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com. Today we are wrapping up our Kingdom Builders emphasis. Every January we talk about what we can do to be part of what God is doing all over the world. That culminates tonight with that international sampler where we roll out some missions trips and also continue to to explore how we can be part of what God is doing. In the seat back pocket in front of you, there's one of these Kingdom Builders cards. Um, If you weren't with us last week, last week we laid out all of our Kingdom Builders projects and giving for 2024 and how you can be a part of that. You can go to christianchapel.com slash kingdombuilders to see that complete list. Kingdom Builders is over and above our regular giving, and it's an opportunity for us to be part of what God is doing globally, locally, and in the next generation. Our hope this year is to give away $550,000 through our Kingdom Builders partners and projects, and that's only possible through your generous participation. So as you've taken time to pray about that and think about it, when you uh, feel like the Lord has directed you to participate this year, if you could just fill that card out for us, You can do it on any Sunday, Uh, just do it and drop it in the offering bucket on your way out, or there's a QR code on there that you can scan and fill it out on your phone as well. When you make that commitment, no one's showing up at your house on your doorstep to collect. It's just a way for us to budget and plan for the year and notify our missionaries and partners of when they can expect funding for the various projects and commitments that we've made to them. So thanks for doing that with us. Um, It's coincided with our walk through the book of Acts. So we've been preaching through Acts for a while now, and we have a while left to go. Uh, But as we do, we're exploring how it's the story of Jesus, the Holy Spirit, and the church which is really another way of saying God's kingdom. And so today, as we kind of wrap up our our particular kingdom builder's emphasis, we come to a passage in Acts chapter 15 um, that uh, kind of forces us to consider a part of being a kingdom builder that we don't necessarily enjoy and don't like to talk about. It's a part that isn't necessarily part of God's plan, but because you and I are part of God's plan, it's something that we all experience. And so if you have a Bible, we'll be in Acts chapter 15. We'll start, I believe, in verse 36 today. We go through chapter 16, verse 5. And we're going to talk about dealing with conflict. Um, So again, Acts is the real story of the church. And Luke, the author of Acts, he doesn't sugarcoat difficult topics. He doesn't skip over them, but he lays them out. And so what we're going to see today is an example of two men who love Jesus, two men who are filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, Two men who hear God's voice and do what he says. Two men who've been used in incredible, powerful ways to build God's kingdom. And two men who come to a serious disagreement to the point that they have to part company and go their separate ways. And so as we walk through that, we're going to learn some lessons for dealing with conflict. Um, But I, I think it's important for us to understand the conflict that we are talking about this morning is not conflict with sin, right? The scriptures are clear with that. We're to to be done and away with those old dead ways of life. It's not not conflict over false teaching or bad doctrine. Those Those are different topics as well. It's not conflict between a husband and a wife. So if you're having marriage trouble this morning, these principles are not directed towards that. Those are other scriptures, other topics, other counseling appointments, and you need to make them, okay? Um, It's not talking about if you're a child living in conflict with your parents while you're still at home. It's not addressing that. 
It is specifically addressing conflict between two believers who feel like God has called me to do A and God has called you to do B and we disagree over which one is better and which way we should go. And so as we work our way through it this morning, there are going to be some principles we want to apply, but we have to make sure that we are applying them to that situation and that situation only. So again, if you're frustrated with your spouse, um, you're going to hear me say today that sometimes you have to walk away from conflict. This is not the message where you go home and divorce later, right? That's not it at all. That's uh, I'm going to come back later, and I'm going to remind you of that again um, because I've been a pastor long enough to hear somebody say, you know, when you said that, it really inspired me too. And it's like, that was not the point of the sermon. Um, I actually never said the thing that you said I said. You just quoted from the Quran and didn't know it. Like, that wasn't even the Bible that you're using. I don't know where you were. I don't know what Chris was talking to you, but it wasn't me, okay? So we're going to talk about dealing with conflict. We're going to have open and honest talks about that. But the context is so important so we don't misapply the lessons of Scripture today. Okay, so Acts chapter 15, let's start in verse 36. So the setting here, last week we talked about the Jerusalem Council. So Paul and Barnabas go, there's this early church decision that the gospel's for everyone, Jew and Gentile alike. Paul and Barnabas go back to Antioch, the city away from Jerusalem. They share this good news with the church. They continue to encourage the believers. They are, are really just investing together. Paul and Barnabas have a strong gospel partnership. Barnabas was the first one to vouch for Paul when Paul was a new Christian, the first one to welcome him into the church. It seems as if he served in some type of mentorship role for him. And then as their ministry partnership progresses, Paul seems to move a little more towards the front. He becomes a primary speaker in a lot of situations, but they're working together. Verse 36, it says, Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in their work. So as we said, Luke, as he writes the book of Acts, he's telling us the honest story of the, of the church. And the honest story is even kingdom builders experience conflict. Now we know when we say yes to follow Jesus that we're saying yes to a life of conflict with the enemy. We know the enemy comes to steal and kill and destroy. We know that there's a conflict of light and darkness, of lies and truth, and we know where we stand in that conflict. When we say yes to Jesus, the story of Acts has also told us there will be times that we, that we suffer. There will be times where we are persecuted, where we're rejected, where we're mocked, where we're misunderstood. We understand all of that conflict, and, and we, we can see how that's part of following Jesus. And yet in Acts 15, we come to a point that is an uncomfortable part of following Jesus, and it's that as we're trying to build God's kingdom, as we're walking by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we're working with other believers, there may be moments of conflict with other believers, not over sin, not over issues of doctrine, but simply over which way we're going to go. And so it's, it's an important reminder to us that when those conflicts arise, God saw them coming and has a plan for them. Now, as, as we said earlier, I don't believe that conflict is part of God's plan for you and I and our relationship with each other. I don't believe that God builds conflict into the body of Christ. But when God chooses to use men and women to build his kingdom, the potential for conflict always exists. 
even among men and women who love Jesus, who are full of the Holy Spirit and are trying to pursue God's plan. Because in that effort, we are still imperfect people being attacked by the enemy, and we can still give in to temptation where in a space like this, where God's plan seems to have been for Paul and Barnabas to go different ways in ministry, instead, in some element, their flesh takes over, and what should have just been a point of separation becomes a point of disagreement, argument, and potential division. And so what we're understanding this morning is that if it can happen to Paul and Barnabas, it can happen to you and to me. Now, Paul and Barnabas, their, their disagreement is kind of multi-layered. Mark had accompanied them on a previous ministry journey, and when it got a little difficult, Mark went home. And when Mark goes home, uh, that's kind of, for Paul's concern, the end of his ministry partnership with him. And now a time has passed, and they're getting ready to launch out again. And Paul says to Barnabas, let's go visit the churches. And Barnabas says, yes, let's go visit the churches. And then Barnabas says, let's bring Mark. Now, what you need to know is Mark is Barnabas's cousin. And so Barnabas maybe has a natural inclination towards him. Maybe he's continued to interact with him. Uh, but for Paul, he feels like, no, we can't bring him because we're going to visit persecuted churches to encourage them to persevere in their faith. And we can't run the risk of taking someone who's going to abandon us again and be a poor example to these other believers. And so Paul and Barnabas, they come to this point of disagreement. And again, Luke is reminding us, if it happens to the early church leaders, don't be surprised if it happens in your life as well. That there will be times that you are sure and certain God has called you to go in this direction, and someone else who's also mature and full of the Holy Spirit is sure and certain God has called them to go in that direction. And in that space, you have a choice to either mutually bless each other as you go your own way, or to sit and fight about who's right. And eventually, Paul and Barnabas bless each other and go their own way, but first they do sit and fight about who's right. And so it's a reminder to us not only that kingdom builders experience conflict, but that all kingdom builders experience conflict. Because there are some of us, even as we think about Acts chapter 15 this morning and the reality of conflict, you think, I see how that happens in the church. I may have witnessed it, but it's not going to happen to me because I will avoid conflict at all costs. I don't want any part of it. I'll never enter into it. But I want you to consider the, the two personalities that Luke chooses to highlight conflict in the church between believers. First, he chooses Paul. Paul is about as type A as they come. Paul writes 13 books of the New Testament, and in almost every single one of them, at some point, he addresses something that's wrong and tells someone either to straighten up, get out, or just do it the right way. Paul has no problem with conflict. Paul has never met an issue he doesn't want to speak to. He's never met a point of false doctrine that he won't address. He's never made, met a sin that he won't call out. He's not afraid of anyone, anywhere, at any time. Paul will stand before kings and tell them that they're wrong. Right? Paul has no, no qualms at all about entering into conflict. And some of us, we identify with Paul. You've never met a problem you didn't want to fix. Right? It is physically painful for you to see something wrong and not speak up. When you're in a conversation at home or at work and somebody says something that you know is wrong, you have never once had a thought of, oh, well, you always jump into that, right? And you have to let them know because you can't let the world live in ignorance, right? You just, you can't let it stand. And something rises up inside of you of, oh my goodness. And, and if you're wired that way, you have most likely been through a lifelong and ongoing process of learning to submit and surrender that to the Holy Spirit. 
right, and trying to learn when do I need to step in and say something, and when do I need to give others some space. And, and so if you're wired that way, this idea of conflict, you're just like, yeah, of course. That's my life. That's Monday. Like, I, I don't even know who I'm fighting with tomorrow, but I know it's going to be somebody. <laughs> like, it's coming. You know why? Because everyone's wrong all the time. And I'm always right. And it's my duty to let them know so they can be right like me. So, so we've got Paul. That's fine. On the other side, though, we have Barnabas. All right, Barnabas, the title he's given in the scriptures is the son of encouragement. Barnabas is sweet and kind. Barnabas is gentle. Barnabas is the guy who wants to give everyone a second chance. In fact, the disagreement is rooted in Barnabas's natural disposition to give someone another chance. I mean, Barnabas, he wants to give Mark another chance just like he gave Paul another chance. And yet even sweet and gentle Barnabas, there comes a point in his life where he is pushed and he says, I think we should take Mark. And Paul says, I don't think we should take Mark. But for some reason in this moment, Barnabas just stands up. He says, no, we should take Mark. And we don't get a lot of details other than it was a sharp disagreement, but it does highlight the fact for us that your personality will not exempt you from conflict. And so there may be times even when you are sweet and kind, and even when you will eat whatever the waiter brings to you, no matter how wrong it is from what you ordered, there will still come a point in your life where you are so sure and certain of what God has called you to do that you know in this space I cannot compromise. And when you begin to meet someone else who's calling you to compromise in that space, there's always the potential for conflict. And so again, the, the story of Acts chapter 15 is a story that, that teaches us a couple things. One, it teaches us we don't have to seek conflict. But two, we also shouldn't be surprised by conflict. So Acts 15 is not permission to start church fights. Like that, There is no reading of this passage where some of us should walk out today and think, you know what, I have been set free and discovered my calling, and I am the one who's going to set everyone else straight. That's, that's not it at all. That's not a ministry. That's not a gift of the Spirit. Uh, that, that's nothing other generally than our flesh wanting to be right all of the time. So it's, it's not saying seek out fights, but it's also helping us understand because we are flawed people who are consistently and constantly being remade in the image of Christ because we fully belong to Jesus and we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, but there is still an enemy who's attacking us. There will be times that conflict enters into our relationships with each other. And when there's conflict, Luke includes this story to give us two ideas. One, don't be surprised by it. And two, here's a few ways to deal with it. Because here's the problem, if, if you walk into Christian community with the expectation that you will never experience conflict or disagreement again, you are going to be tragically disappointed. If you walk in with the thought of, I've said yes to Jesus and they've said yes to Jesus, so now we're always going to agree on everything always and forever. Right? Your first conversation about sports, politics, or the economy will reveal quickly just how wrong you are. Because believers have all kinds of different opinions and all kinds of different preferences. And in every place where there's the smallest amount of difference, the enemy comes and tries to create division. And so as followers of Jesus, we have to understand if conflict remains a real possibility in the early church and in this church, we have to know how to deal with it. The first step to dealing with it is understanding that not all conflict is always clear. So I don't know about you, but when I find myself disagreeing with someone, generally the first thing I want to know is, 
who is right and who is wrong, and why am I the one that's right, right? Like, that's, that's kind of just the, the path that we all want to go on. If there's two differences of opinion, clearly one has to be right and one has to be wrong. In Acts chapter 15, Luke doesn't tell us if Barnabas is right to want to take Mark or if Paul is right to not want to take Mark. Luke just tells the story and he highlights the conflict, he highlights the result, and then he highlights the action. And I think in doing so, he's, he's teaching us. Now, again, this is, this is where it's important for us to understand. This is not a conflict over sin. It's not a conflict over doctrine or false teaching. Those are clear, and the scriptures speak directly to them. But what we have in Acts chapter 15 is an example where the scriptures do not speak specifically to this exact situation, or maybe where the scriptures speak to both sides of the situation. And Barnabas can say, well, here's some examples of the scriptures where people are given second chances. And Paul's saying, here's some examples of people who forfeited leadership opportunities because they weren't reliable. And so you've got this space where there's two differences of opinion, two different callings, and we want to know who's right. And Luke is silent. And it's a a reminder to us that we should always be slow to rush to that judgment of who's right and who's wrong. That we should be generous towards each other when there's a difference of opinion. And that we should believe there is a world that's possible where God calls me to do A and God calls you to do B and both of them are his will and both of them are right and both of them are pleasing to him. And when we begin to lay down our desire to always be right or the requirement that every disagreement must have a winner and a loser, when we begin to lay that down and just say, all we really want is we want to see the Lord's will done and we want to see unity in the body of Christ, then we'll begin to understand at these potential points of conflict, we can start to work our way around it. Now, again, uh, I, I believe that God led Paul and Barnabas to this point because his plan was for them to go in different directions, that it was time for them to separate and pursue new ministry opportunities. I don't believe that God wanted them to get in a big fight about it, but they got in a fight because they're like you and me, because they gave in to the emotion of the moment, because they gave in to the, I can't believe you would say that, and I can't believe you would believe that. They got into all of these different things, and Luke doesn't go into a lot of detail about it, but he tells us how it ended in verse 39. He said, they had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left. Commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord, he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. And so what we see is an example of walking away from conflict. Not every conflict gets resolved in a storybook way. Not every disagreement in the body of Christ ends with us holding hands and singing whatever version of Kumbaya is culturally appropriate at the moment, right? It doesn't always end that way. Sometimes it ends with me saying, I know what God has called me to do, and you saying, I know what God has called me to do, and us going our different directions. And sometimes in the moment of that discussion, our flesh gets the best of us, and there are some sharp words that are exchanged. There are some hurtful things that are said. There's some questioning of each other's judgments or spiritual maturity or discernment. And in that space, it can create real pain. It can create real heartache. It can create real relational pain and frustration and aggravation. And yet what we see in Acts chapter 15 is there comes this point where Paul and Barnabas just say, okay, I guess, 
We've got to go our own way. And so Barnabas takes Mark and they go in this direction and Paul takes Silas and they go in this direction. And both of them continue the process of encouraging the churches. And it's possible when, and I don't know what your church experience has been. I tell people all the time, Christian Chapel is the healthiest church I've ever been a part of. Christian Chapel is not the only church I've ever been a part of though. And I've, I've watched Christian Chapel handle some of these moments with, with grace and move forward. And I've watched other churches where it was very clear that God was maybe calling a pastor to go somewhere else and do something else, or he was calling someone else to launch out and do something else. But instead of obeying God's calling, you had two stubborn people who stayed in the community and just dug their heels in and fought for years. And while they fight, no one's doing the things that God has called them to do. Right? And so Paul and Barnabas, they have to get to this point of we could stay here forever. And I mean, we, we know how stubborn Paul is from the scriptures. For years, Paul could have beat Barnabas over the head with the Old Testament. Right? He had the whole thing memorized. He could have drawn from all of it. For years, Barnabas could have used his example of welcoming Paul in against him. But instead, they decide we, we just, we can't, there's no agreement here. Let's go, let's go our own ways. And as they go their own ways, they're not just walking away from each other, but they're walking into what God has called them to do. And so there will come a point if conflict is part of your life as you're pursuing God's call that you just have to leave the conflict and you have to walk into what God is calling you to do. Now again, this is not a message for troubled marriages, right? So it's not your permission to walk away and leave. It's not about family dynamics. It's not about any of those things. This is specifically when one Christian knows God has called me to do this and another says God has called me to do that and we had previously been in partnership together but now that partnership seems like it's not possible anymore. We have to agree to disagree and go our own ways. So practically, what does that look like? It looks like friends that I've had who serve as missionaries and they serve with a missions organization and that organization is their overseer. That organization is their authority. That organization is the one who has sent them and equipped them. And as they serve under the authority of that organization, at some point along the way, God begins to speak to the missionary about new ministry ideas, about new potential uh, ways that they can reach people for Jesus, about new nations to work in, about new initiatives to pursue, and they take those back to the missions organization. And several of my friends, they've went back to the missions organization. The organization said, yes, let's do it. And there are others who've went to the organizations and they've said, no, that's not what we do. God bless you if that's what you want to do, but that's not what we do, and that's not what you're going to do as one of our partners. And so in that space, I've had buddies who've made one of two decisions. One, who they said, okay, I want to stay with the organization, so I'll submit and follow the process and the path. And others who said, I know exactly what God has called me to do. And if you're saying I can't do it here, then I know I have to walk away and I have to walk into what God is calling me to do. Right? And it's just a modern example of this disagreement that Paul and Barnabas have. We see it when people call Christian Chapel looking for kingdom builder support. We get calls from missionaries and ministries on a weekly basis. And we have pretty specific criteria. For our global missionaries, we invest mostly in people who are living and working full-time among unreached people groups and are serving within our denomination's sending agency because we're familiar with the process, the oversight, and all those sorts of things. And so sometimes we get calls from people who say, this is what God has called me to do, and this is who I'm serving with, and, and what they're doing sounds great, and who they're serving with is good, but it doesn't fit our criteria. And we have to tell them, hey, God bless you. We want that to work, but that's not something we're able to partner with right now. 
And then we go our separate ways and we do what we do and they do what they do. You see it in all kinds of spaces, not just in ministry life, you see it in relationships. You see it when a couple is dating and one of them is determined and knows God has called me to be married. And they are actively pursuing that calling. They want to get married. They want to start a family. And the other one is saying, I have not received that calling from the Lord. And so they're in a relationship where one wants one thing and the other wants the other thing. And that eventually, usually, it's the person who longs to be married who says, if this isn't where you're going, then I've got to leave and pursue that somewhere else, right? Which is a wise and holy decision. Because the worst thing in the world is to get married to someone who doesn't feel called to be married to you. Like that, that's, not, that's not a groundwork for a healthy relationship or a lifelong marriage. And so you've got to welcome that and you've got to walk away from it. We've seen it in, in business partnerships where there are, are people who are devout Christians who listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and they're working in business together. They own the company. They're pursuing projects. They're, they've formed their own team and things are going really well. And then God begins to speak to one of them about a new opportunity, about a new initiative, about moving, about leaving, about doing something else. Another one says, I don't want to do any of that. I want to stay here. And I want to keep doing what I'm doing. And they have to come to that mutual decision of, Okay, it's time for each of us to do the thing that God has called us to do. And what Acts chapter 15 is teaching us is that conflict can be a form of redirection. And if you get to that point where you just know there's no resolution here because God has called us to remarkably different things, then at that point, you have to walk away. You can't just stay and fight with each other endlessly. You have to start pursuing the things that God has called you to. And and what Paul and Barnabas model for us is not just walking away from conflict, but really walking into God's calling and moving forward with maturity. Listen to, to how Luke describes it. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus. Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So they move on with maturity. Paul and Barnabas don't fight with each other. Paul and Barnabas don't trash each other's reputation. Barnabas doesn't set out to start the first church of grace and second chances while Paul starts first church of hard work and discipline. They don't do any of that. Barnabas just gets Mark and says, let's go. And Paul gets Silas and says, let's go. And they provide a model for us. When you know what God has called you to do, even if others disagree with it, just go do it. And continue to honor those who disagree with you. Continue to speak well of those who didn't want to come along with you. Continue to trust that just as God has directed your steps, so also he can direct their steps. And it can be really painful at times. Because when God speaks to you, what you hope is that others who love you and are for you will affirm what he's spoken to you. But there may be times that God puts a calling on your heart that others don't believe in or others don't want to get behind. But as long as you know the scriptures have confirmed and other believers have encouraged you, you walk that path with boldness. And you trust that others have the ability to do the same. And so Paul and Barnabas, they move forward into maturity. Barnabas and John Mark get together and they go to Cyprus and they encourage the believers. Paul and Barnabas get together and they go to Syria and they encourage the believers. And we see that they just keep moving forward. As you keep reading in Acts, though, you see that moving on with maturity also creates opportunities for multiplication. 
You move into chapter 16, verse 1, it says, Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they traveled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and the elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. And so what we understand is when we move forward in maturity, God can use that to multiply the impact of the kingdom. And so this is an example where the enemy thought division would stop the movement, where he thought, if I can get Paul and Barnabas to fight with each other, this will harm the church. But instead, God teaches these men, hey, just separate, go your own way, speak well of each other, and I'm going to continue to bless both of your ministries. And so what actually happens is more people are reached because now Paul and Barnabas aren't together and their impact is spread. And when Paul and Silas arrive in a new area, they now have the capacity to invest in a new leader. They discover a young man named Timothy who has been gifted by God to be a leader in the church. And so they bring him alongside as their ministry companion, and they begin to train him, and they begin to mentor him. And then Barnabas, he's doing the same thing with Mark. And so if you want to know who wins between Paul and Barnabas and their argument, the answer is both of them. Because Barnabas takes Mark, and they go encourage other believers, and it's the same Mark who becomes the author of the gospel of Mark. So if you want to know if Barnabas made a right choice or not, if the Holy Spirit trusted Mark to write one of the gospels, I think Barnabas made a good choice. On the other hand, you have Paul who goes and discovers Timothy, and he raises Timothy up as a leader in the church, and then he writes two letters to Timothy that are now part of our scriptures today, First and Second Timothy. Timothy becomes an influential leader. He carries on the legacy of Paul after his death. And so was Paul right? Yes. Barnabas was right to take Mark. Paul was right to go off without Mark, and God used both of them to build his kingdom. And so again, it's just a reminder to us when we find ourselves in conflict or potential conflict with other believers over the calling that God has placed on our life, we need to have the humility and the maturity to understand that just because God calls me to do one thing and you to do another doesn't mean that I'm right and you're wrong or that you're right and I'm wrong. It means that God has a plan and he's working his plan. And so you go do your thing and I'll go do my thing and we'll trust that God is working all things together for his good and for his purposes and to establish his glory on the earth. And this is what we see happening in Paul's story and in Barnabas' story. But if you keep reading through the New Testament, you'll find that eventually these relationships are restored. And so even as we endure conflict and sometimes we have to walk away from it, we're also remembering that conflict isn't permanent. But it doesn't have to be. So if you read in, I believe it's uh, 1 Corinthians, Galatians, and Colossians, you will find Paul in each one of those letters after this experience where he's separated from Barnabas, referencing Barnabas as a trusted and valuable member and leader in the church. And so after they separate, Paul continues to hold Barnabas in high esteem. And we assume that Barnabas does the same thing for Paul. They honor each other. They speak well of each other. They pray for each other. And then as you get to 2 Timothy, this letter that's only written because Paul and Barnabas separate, you come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. Now, the the setting of 2 Timothy is the Apostle Paul is in a Roman prison. Nero is the emperor of Rome, and Paul's execution is imminent. And so he writes 2 Timothy to encourage Timothy, this young church leader that he only met because he separated from Barnabas over the issue of Mark. And Paul didn't want to take Mark on the trip because he didn't trust him. 
He didn't think he could be a valuable contributor to his ministry. And so 2 Timothy, as you read towards the end of it, you find Paul kind of just acknowledging the fact that he's alone. He talks about different people who've deserted him. He talks about ministry partners who've had to travel to other places. And you come to 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 11. And Paul says, only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry. And so Luke doesn't get the chance to tell us the story in the book of Acts, but Paul tells us in his letter to Timothy, okay, we had a, we had a big conflict. We had a conflict because of that guy and I didn't trust him. We had a conflict because I didn't believe he was worthy of my investment in taking on a ministry trip. And now Paul, at the end of his life, sitting in a Roman prison, he says, I'm all alone except for Luke. Will somebody grab Mark and will you bring him to me? Because he's useful in my ministry. And it's a reminder to us that, that today's conflict don't have to define our future. Right? And, and the people that people that we might be experiencing real pain and heartache with. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I would have had a temptation if I was Mark to be like, really? Now, now, now Paul, you want me? Remember when you said no? Remember when you yelled at Barnabas? Remember when you started writing letters to Timothy? Why don't you get Timothy to come help you? But as far as we know, Mark and Paul had been reconnected and their relationship had been restored. And so today it might be possible that there's some old conflicts in your life that you've almost given up hope of ever experiencing any form of reconciliation. But the message of the scriptures is conflict isn't permanent. And God might have led you in different directions, but that doesn't mean there will never be partnership again in the future. It doesn't mean a relationship can't be restored. We're never too old, the pain is never too deep for the possibility of spirit-inspired reconciliation to do an incredibly deep work in us. And so, so we hold on to that, and, and then we also remember as, as we work through Acts chapter 16, I love this closing verse, Acts chapter 16, verse five. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. So Luke concludes this whole story about conflict by saying, hey, look, God's gonna work through it. Conflict can't stop God's kingdom. Conflict isn't God's plan, but it also can't stop God's plan. And if he's got to incorporate it in his plan to further his plan, he's going to do it. And so I might get it wrong at times, and you might get it wrong at times, but we're just going to move forward through it. And we're going to trust that God is still working. And so, so again, like next Sunday, we get back into the fun part of Acts. Like next Sunday, we get into what do we do when Jesus says no, and what do we do when Jesus says go? And it's, it's really fun. It's encouraging. It's faith building. But, but for today, it's just, it's a pretty practical just hits us kind of right where we are in some uncomfortable places that we don't really like to talk about in church of what do I do when I just, when I don't agree with what they're doing, but I know it's not sin. I know there's nothing scriptural. How do, how do we navigate just, they, they're just wrong and they should be right like me. How do I get through that? And what the scriptures are teaching us is don't be surprised by the potential for conflict. Don't blow it out of proportion. Don't trash the person you perceive to be your opponent because today's opponent might be tomorrow's ministry partner. And just stay focused on what God has called you to do. And as you focus on what he's called you to do and you believe that others are focused on what he's called them to do, God's kingdom is going to be established. And even if we have to walk away, we're gonna do so with dignity, with honor, and with grace. 
Will you stand with me so I can pray for you? And the band's gonna come back to lead us in a final song. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, we pray if there's anyone with us who's not yet begun their relationship with you. Lord, that the context of conflict and difficulty in the church might be completely foreign to them. We pray, Lord, that, that even today, your Holy Spirit would draw them into a relationship with you. That they would recognize they've been created to be your son and your daughter, to be forgiven of every sin and welcomed into your kingdom. And Lord, for those of us who walk with you, we pray that you would fill us with the grace, the peace, the mercy, the patience, and the self-control of the Holy Spirit. Give us the ability to hear your voice and to follow the path that you're revealing to us. And give us the grace to believe that what you're doing in our life, you're also doing for others. And if there are spaces where you lead us in different directions, help us to treat each other with dignity and with honor, believing that you are leading and speaking to each one of us about your purposes and your plans so that your kingdom will be established as far and as wide as possible. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from Christian Chapel. For more information, visit us online at christianchapel.com.